listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Operations Manager of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation. Hi, Cindy. Hey, Jeremy. How's the summer been treating you, Cindy? Oh, I'm hanging in there, thanks. Just doing my best to figure out everything we're going through right now. Well, this is definitely a different kind of summer. Uh, And this is episode 74 of Lighthearted, scheduled for release on August 3rd, 2020. On August 3rd, 1977, just 43 short years ago, the Tandy Corporation announced the TRS-80 computer one of the world's first mass-produced personal computers. It was boasted that the TRS-80 could, quote, do a payroll for up to 15 people in a small business, teach children mathematics, store your favorite recipes, or keep track of an investment portfolio. It could also play cards, unquote. User data was originally stored on cassette tape, and a cassette recorder was included, all for only $599. Now you can have a smartphone in your pocket that probably uh, probably has a million times the computing power of the TRS-80. Also, the Pulitzer Prize-winning war correspondent Ernie Pyle was born on August 3, 1900. He once said, quote, Thoughts are wonderful things, that they can bring two people so far apart into harmony and understanding for even a little while, unquote. So, speaking of bringing people together who are far apart, today on Lighthearted, we're traveling about 3,000 miles as the crow flies to Alaska. Have you ever been to Alaska, Cindy? No, but I'd love to. Yeah, me too. I haven't been there either. Uh, The farthest north I've been on the West Coast is southern British Columbia, the Vancouver, Victoria area. Yeah, same with me, actually. Okay, Uh, but I've heard lots of good things about Alaska. Today we're going to talk about the oldest lighthouse in the state of Alaska with our guest, Sue York of the Eldred Rock Lighthouse Preservation Association. Cindy, please help me tell our listeners about Eldred Rock Lighthouse and Sue York. Will do. The Lynn Canal is a 90-mile inlet into southeast Alaska. It's considered the deepest and longest fjord in the world. Eldred Rock is at the north end of the canal, 55 miles north of the port of Juneau and about 35 miles south of Skagway. The rock was named by the naturalist Marcus Baker, the co-founder of the National Geographic Society. He named it after his wife, Sarah Eldred. Eldred Rock Lighthouse was first lighted on June 1, 1906 as one of four lighthouses in the Lynn Canal. It's the only remaining example of the wood frame lighthouses that were built in the state between 1902 and 1906, while many of the other lighthouses in Alaska were rebuilt as concrete towers in the 1930s, Eldred Rock was the only station not rebuilt because of its solid concrete base. The octagonal building combined living quarters, fog signal apparatus, and light tower all in one structure. The fog signal apparatus was located on the first story, and the keeper's quarters was on the second floor. The light exhibited by a fourth-order Fresnel lens, 91 feet above mean high water, was seen about 15 nautical miles. The station experienced a terrible tragedy on February 26, 1910. 
Early that morning, two assistant keepers left Eldred Rock in a small boat, headed for the Point Sherman Lighthouse. When they hadn't returned three days later, the principal keeper launched another boat and put out word that the men were missing. He learned that they had left Point Sherman as snow began to fall on February 27th. The two men were never found and what happened remained a mystery. It was said that the principal keeper, who resigned in the following year, for the rest of his life would go to the window in his sleep and call the assistant keeper's names. The light was converted to a 250 millimeter optic and the station was automated and de-staffed in 1973. A few years later, the Fresnel lens went to the Sheldon Museum and Cultural Center in Haines, Alaska. In 2016, the optic was changed to a rotating VRB25. More recently, it's been changed to a VLB44 LED optic. The Eldred Rock Lighthouse Preservation Association of Haines, Alaska was organized to restore, maintain, and preserve the light station. The organization entered into a lease agreement with the U.S. Coast Guard on April 1st, 2020. The association was also awarded a grant from the Alaska Association for Historic Properties, which was used to complete an historic structures report that will be used to help with the planning of restoration projects. The eventual plan is for a visitor center and maritime museum to be established. After graduating from the U.S. Coast Guard Academy in 1995, Sue York served as operations officer aboard the Coast Guard buoy tender PAPA, followed by a tour as operations officer at Vessel Traffic Service, Houston, Galveston. Sue then enjoyed 14 years as an educator after moving to Juneau, Alaska with her husband, Matt, and three daughters in 2003. Apart from three years in Valdez, Alaska, serving as Coast Guard Ombudsman, Sue has made Juneau her home. In 2016, combining her love for outdoor athletics and her interest in Southeast Alaska history, Sue became a pedicab tour guide, providing service to cruise ship visitors along the docks and streets of historic downtown Juneau. I had the chance to speak with Sue York in June. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am speaking with Sue York of the Eldred Rock Lighthouse Preservation Association. Thank you so much for being with me today, Sue. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Uh, so, Sue, uh, you've been involved with uh, the maritime field in various ways in your life, uh, with the Coast Guard as a tour guide, among other things. So what brought you to the Eldred Rock Lighthouse Preservation Association? Well. I uh, started out, actually, I was a Navy brat, and so when I went Coast Guard, I, I got into the Aton field, uh, coming out of the Coast Guard Academy. I was on a buoy tender, um, and so I went to the National uh, Aids to Navigation School in Yorktown, Virginia, and was impressed by the museum there. All, they have about a dozen beautiful Fresnel lenses on display there. Just started to be interested in lighthouses, um, and then... Uh, when the Coast Guard brought me and my husband to Alaska, I was out of the Coast Guard at, by then, but he was still active duty. Uh, you know, we would pass by Elder Drug Lighthouse on the ferry system, uh, leaving Juneau and going up to Haines or Skagway or into Canada. And this is the experience of many uh, folks in Southeast Alaska. You pass it all the time. Uh, so it's very iconic. And so I knew of it, of course. And then when my husband retired, I started working for the Marine Exchange of Alaska, based in Juneau. 
and the Marine Exchange, uh, of course, covers all the maritime tracking of vessels throughout the state. And the uh, executive director's name is Captain Ed Page. He uh, was looking to help the Elder Rock Lighthouse Association just help them get off their feet. They were struggling, um, working with the Coast Guard, uh, trying to get some kind of lease agreement, and we'll get into that later of, of why that those attempts fell through. Um, and so he approached me and he said, hey, Sue, you like lighthouses, right? You know, and I said, who, who doesn't like lighthouses, of, of course? And he said, well, what do you think about helping out with the Elder Direct Lighthouse Association? Uh, and I said, sure, absolutely, I'd love to. And so we, uh, we kind of reached an agreement about how much time I could put towards it. And I went up to Haines and met the group there. It's based out of Haines, small town. Uh, very passionate folks, but no one really that was affiliated with the Coast Guard. So with my Coast Guard background, I said, I think I can help you out. Um, and with the Coast Guard Civil Engineering Unit being based out of Juneau, where I was from, and so just the district was there. And I just knew people in the Coast Guard there. You know, I agreed to help them out. So I was, I was really happy to get involved. And that was about two years ago. It's been a lot of fun. So before we talk more about the, the lighthouse itself and about the association, uh, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that happened before the, the lighthouse was built. And there was a very famous shipwreck that happened a few years before the lighthouse was built. Can you tell me a bit about the, uh, the wreck of the Clara Nevada? And uh, what, why is that important to the history of Eldred Rock? Well, during this time, the historical significance of this area, of course, was the gold rush, the Klondike gold rush. And so the maritime industry coming up from Seattle to Skagway to get up uh, into the Yukon was going right past this area, right? And so Juneau was a, a big mining area. And then, of course, Skagway was the launch, launching port, point into Canada up to Whitehorse. So the maritime industry going past this area was just a massive boom. So that's what really started, you know, all the lighthouses being built in that area. But many of these vessels were maybe not seaworthy. I mean, there was such a demand for steamships going, uh, taking gold rushers up and bringing them south with their, with their goods. That the Claire Nevada, I think, was sort of pressed into service a bit before it might have been. Uh, let's just say the engine room was, was maybe not up to ship shape. So when it uh, left port in Skagway in, in a winter storm, you know, it was loaded with, with um, you know, people trying to get their gold out. And so there was a big, and they also had an illegal load of dynamite. They had tried to offload some explosives in Juneau to the Treadwell mine on the way north and then was unable to do that. So they were actually illegally carrying explosives and passengers at the same time. So the mystery of it, though, is that there was gold on board. So when it hit Eldred Rock, exploded, um, and all perished, the gold was never recovered. And so there was this, this mystery that the captain and maybe one of the crew members were, was able to abscond with the gold. And we don't really know what happened to the gold. There's been divers on it and everything, and it's, it's gone. So that's the mystery. It's kind of a fun historical aspect of the island. Right. And this was 1898, is that right? Mm -hmm. 1898, yeah. yep. And that was uh, part of the impetus for building the lighthouse. That was one of the the things that led. Yes, to on that particular rock, you know, they had they had um, 
they had started building the lighthouses in Southeast in 1902. Um, but after, you know, that happened, the, that island in particular was, was, you know, set aside as, as a possible uh, spot for one of the lighthouses. So, but it was actually the last one built. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't built till 1905 and lit mm -hmm. in 1906. So, Right. And I understand recently there's actually been a play written and produced about the wreck of the Clara Nevada. That's pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. Our, uh, our past president, uh, she just actually retired from the board this last year, Pam Randall. She's a Haynes resident and a historian. She worked, was on committees with the Sheldon Museum in Haynes for many years. Um, and she really was the one that began Elder Drug Lighthouse Association as its own nonprofit, um, split off, splitting off from that museum. Uh, she wrote the, uh, the Strange Fate of the Claire Nevada is the name of the play. And they produced it there in Haynes and performed it. And I think even maybe traveled, maybe up to Anchorage and did it once as well. This was probably about 15 years ago. And uh, just as a fundraiser and just awareness. But she's done since then tons of research uh, regarding the ship and the Captain Lewis, the captain who, you know, ended up showing up alive later in various areas of the Canada and, uh, and his estranged wife and stuff. So she's, she's just really passionate about the history behind that, that mm -hmm. ship. That's great. So moving to more recent history, the uh, Eldred Rock Lighthouse was originally put up for transfer under the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act mm -hmm. in 2004. And uh, the process at that time was, was canceled. What happened back then? Well, there's actually two, t two times that it was made available. Um, but the first was actually five lighthouses in Southeast in 1997 were made available based on a, an agreement with SHPO um, and the Coast Guard in 1996 saying, okay, there was an agreement to make available these five lighthouses. And some of those include Sentinel and Five Finger. And Eldridge Rock actually was, was dropped from that agreement because the, of the land conveyance issue with the Forest Service. The island itself is in the Tong Tongass National Forest. And so there was this uh, squabble, I guess you could say, between Coast Guard and the Forest Service. Hey, this property, you can't make this available to the public. This is in the forest. And so it was dropped from that program. So all those other four lighthouses, Cape D, Five Finger, and Sentinel, uh, were, were uh, given to uh, associations, but Eldridge Rock was not. So then after the, yeah, the, the uh, Lighthouse Act of 2000, it was made available again in 04. And similar to what we were talking about before with Boston Lighthouse, LBP in the soil, diesel in the soil, it did not uh, qualify into that process as it went through. So GSA and DC said, no, Coast Guard, you, you've got to remediate these hazards first. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, 16 years ago. And it still is not, has not come up for transfer, uh, actually. No. Your, so your group actually uh, just recently entered into a lease agreement with the Coast Guard. Do you think it will ultimately be transferred? Is that something that's on the horizon? Right. Or, that's the uh, goal. That's the goal, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, it took a five, almost five years to get this lease agreement sort of figured out and how we could uh, get that agreement using land use controls for these environmental hazards. The Coast Guard does not have the budget to clean, to clean the island. Um, you know, whether it's capping or 
remediating it completely, the soil is, you know, not safe for the public necessarily for long-term living. So the goal is to try to up the priority of the facility, make it being used. So the Coast Guard will tell you that their number one priority is safety, right, of the public and, and of anyone using the facilities. But since no one's been out there, obviously they're not going to throw money towards cleaning it up. So our goal is to get it being used to where the public is is, is being invited on. Uh, of course, there's lots of rules, land use control rules about that. But then we're hoping that it'll maybe go up a notch in the priority list. So we've, we've discussed this with the Coast Guard already. And, you know, whether they clean it or we clean it, of course, we can't really get the property until it's remediated. So mm-hmm. that's the goal, though, for sure. Of course, your organization has had a lot of press recently with the uh, the lease agreement and everything that's going mm-hmm. on. And I read in one of the uh, the recent articles that restoration is – roughly estimated at around a million dollars. And there's a lot of things that need to be done, obviously, but what what are the most pressing needs uh, that need to happen in the not too distant future? Right. Uh, The first thing, you know, we uh, have to just make sure it's structurally sound. We actually had a a hired a structural engineer that went to the island last Friday to begin those investigations. Thankfully, we already knew it was fairly structurally sound. I mean, it's it's really stood up under the weather for so many years that you can tell that that strong concrete uh, first floor has helped it stay in existence. But, you know, structural concrete repair uh, is, is number one on the priority list. And also um, abatement of the asbestos and lead-based paint within the lighthouse building. You know, it's not going to help to... Uh, uh, clean the soil with LBP chips when you're still tracking it out the lighthouse. So, so you know, our number one priority is getting those environmental hazards cleaned up so that it's safe for workers, safe for people that are, are going to start doing the rehabilitation of the, of the building. So those are the first things we're going to tackle. Now, uh, the lighthouse was named uh, as one of the top 10 most endangered properties mm-hmm. in the state of Alaska. Mm-hmm. What has that meant for your organization? Well, um, if, you know, just talking about press, I mean, it's really been awareness. You know, it's, it's such a remote location. It's not like uh, on the mainland when you can go see some of these historic properties and the damage that they're, they're in. Um, so, being uh, listed in that has, has made it more public awareness about wh- what's happening there, you know, getting out videos and pictures. And likewise, um, we received a grant based on the top 10 in, uh, most endangered properties to, uh, to hire a historical architect to get our HSR done, our historic structures report, which is really, you know, the number one thing you, get, you need to get started on you know, any his rebuilt any, any historic property. So um, that was a, that was a great kudos and we appreciate that. So yeah, we've been on the list three years in a row and really the, the biggest thing coming from that is just awareness. Tell me more about the historic structure report. Why is that so important? So trying to get resources, pictures, historic information, uh, you know, drawings, architectural drawings, from the Coast Guard and all these resources around has been, you know, a stretch. There's so many different 
organizations that have this information. So to get that all into one resource uh, to be able to be referenced and also asking for approvals from the State Historic Preservation Officer. Likewise, we have to get all work approved for the from the Coast Guard because it's still their property. So that report was, I mean, so important uh, to have. And, and, and it's done, it's, it's, uh, we've got our first printing a few weeks ago. And so it was actually used by that structural engineer I mentioned out at the lighthouse last Friday. So it's been a, it's, and we worked uh, all winter on that. So, so yeah, I'd have, I definitely want to mention Gary Gillette was the historic architect that we hired and he actually wrote the HSR for uh, Sentinel Lighthouse and Five Finger. Oh, okay. So yeah. thank Gary for his, his input on that. Yeah. That's great. It's kind of like the blueprint for restoration. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a two-part question. Uh, are you planning to do some of the work, and to some degree, I think maybe it's already started, but are you planning to do some of the work with volunteer labor? And part two uh, will, uh, obviously, I think I know the answer to this, but will uh, some of it uh, be done by uh, contractors? You know, we have so many people ready and willing to volunteer and I think we will use volunteer force for sure um, once we get to a point where those environmental factors are taken care of. We don't want to put volunteers in any kind of harm's way as far as asbestos. Sure. Um, so definitely we'll have to contract out, you know, that abatement. Uh, and then any concrete repair, we're definitely going to have to contract those items out. But other than that, you know, it's it's actually not in that bad a shape. It's... Uh, is we're very helpful to be able to use a lot of volunteer uh, labor for the majority of the interior work, at least. You're, you're still in the very early stage, so it's hard to price it out. Yeah. Are, are you still thinking roughly a million dollars does not sound high to me for, for what you're talking about, but. You know, it doesn't sound high to me either. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's really hard to give, put a figure on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can you know, and, and honestly, it's just, it's going to have to go in many, many stages, even the abatement, um, you know, at this point, uh, without some very large grants, we're not going to be able to afford entire abatement of the, it's a huge structure. I mean, it's, it's a massive lighthouse. Um, because of that, the house is within the light, light building, it's mm -hmm. not two separate facilities. There's not a separate light keeper's house. So it's all in one facility um, yeah. building. So it's a huge structure. So we'll definitely have to uh, do it in chunks for sure. Sure, sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Do you happen to know the square footage inside the lighthouse? It's approximately 4,200 square feet. Yeah, that's pretty big. So. On the island, there's also, uh, you know, a boathouse and some other pieces. Oh, well, let me, well, since you're, you mentioned that... Yeah. What what other outbuildings are we talking about that your association is uh, involved with? Involved with so the lighthouse structure itself, uh, of course, is is the most important as far as you know the public use of of the facility. But there's a boathouse um, with two tramways, north and south tra uh, boat tramways leading into it. It's very unique. It's got a turntable in it and everything. Then there's a tramway leading up to a very large carpenter shop which was the original boathouse, but with a 22-foot tide range, right, they had to eventually build a separate boathouse to accommodate that tide range. Then there's a paint shop and um, a uh, water cistern. 
And I'm sure all the structures need plenty of work. Uh, need attention. Yep. <laughs> TLC. That's the, the yeah. word. So is the COVID-19 pandemic uh, delaying work or how is that affecting you this, this season? We just talked about that at our monthly meeting where is, is that a, a good thing or a bad thing? It's been, it's been um, a stumbling block a bit because we haven't been able to take advantage of the good spring weather state mandates. We were shelter in place for quite a long time. It's just opening up here in the state. Um, so all those uh, investigations from the abatement specialists and the engineers were put on hold for about three months, which is a bummer because we only have May through September really of decent weather up here to get out there. And, you know, when we do start operating the lighthouse for tours, it's, it's just seasonal. It's not going to be, no one wants to go out there in the middle of winter. So that, that's kind of held us back a little bit. But on the other hand, um, you know, with the tourism industry essentially being shut down, there's no cruise ships coming up to Alaska. Um, mm -hmm. Juneau and Haines and Skagway, there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe uh, might have boats that are chartered for tourists normally that we can make it use of uh, for our purposes and, and people that just maybe are unemployed and are looking to help. So, I mean, there's, there's goods and bads to the whole process. So you had a road race a fundraiser in April, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. managed to get in before things really shut down, I guess. Yeah. A, well, that a, one we had to do virtually. Um, we have, oh, okay. we have two a year in, in the capital city in Juneau, uh, one in January and one in April. And the April one was, was already um, COVID <laughs> in, in, in hindered so we um we did it virtually where the basically the racers still run the race and still contribute to the fundraiser but um, they run it on their own it's basically mm -hmm. alone so it's not just one event um for social distancing so so we, we you know we didn't um raise as much as we generally would for that but it still it still took place and the community still supported us uh with that so We'll see in, in January if that's still the yeah. case or whether we can have an event or not. So, Pandemic's affecting everybody's fundraising Everybody. at, this, at this point, sure. of course. Mm -hmm. But do you have any other fundraising plans at this point? Uh, other than, you know, keeping an eye out for grants. And COVID has affected uh, some of the state grant opportunities because much of the, the grants we were looking for uh, like, for instance, the Rasmussen Foundation is redirecting those funds for the COVID um, support. So we might have to wait on some of those. Um, we are, though, organizing, trying to be creative and organizing other fundraisers like show and tell cruises out to the lighthouse. Again, that's, you know, a lot of the tour companies in Juneau and in Haines are looking for other work because there's no cruise cruisers. So, you know, we're maybe trying to support the local community by um, hiring those tour companies, guided chartered boats, basically, and do some fundraising in that way. Speaking of uh, show and tell cruises and stuff like that, that leads to my next question is what is the, what is the goal for the lighthouse? Uh, are there plans to open it for the public? The actually in the lease agreement, the Coast Guard it stated that this was to be an educational opportunity for the public. So we definitely intend to be sharing it. Actually, our tagline is restore, preserve, share. Um, so at some point, once it's safe for the public and we can start giving tours, we are going to establish a on-site museum. It's such a large facility that we have plenty of space for that, as well as 
renting out um, some of the finished rooms uh, for overnights or retreats or weddings, what have you, as a revenue source as well. Um, but definitely um, educational opportunity. At this point, the Fresnel lens from the lighthouse is in the Sheldon Museum in Haines. Mm -hmm. So I encourage anyone that's interested at Eldridge Rock to visit that museum and see their display on Eldridge Rock Lighthouse. Um, but that's absolutely, that's, that's the full goal is to share this beautiful facility with the public, sure. That is great news, and it sounds like a perfect plan, really, the combination of a museum and accommodations. It mm -hmm. sounds like you'll be able to be self-sustaining, hopefully. With, uh, I hope you know, so, yeah. Any, any lighthouse that can generate funds has a, a great advantage, uh, generate sure. funds with overnight stays, because mm -hmm. that's always such a popular way to, to right. generate, generate funds. Yeah. You're gonna Our challenge is, uh, is getting the visitors there. It's an Yeah, yeah. As, as other lighthouses there on islands uh, can attest, you know, getting vessels and we yeah. do have a helicopter pad. Mm -hmm. So for the wealthier visitors uh, that want to hire a helicopter, that's a, that's a choice. And, you know, with the harsh weather conditions too. I mean, Upper Lynn Canal is some of the harshest weather in Southeast Alaska. So, Well, there will be limitations, but I guarantee you're not going to have any shortage of people who want to stay there. Right. Yeah. That's my prediction. That's the number one question when we're at events. Can I stay there? Can I stay there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. So uh, let me ask you, what is so special about Eldred Rock Lighthouse? Why, why, is, why do you feel it's important that it be preserved? Well, not only is it on the National Registry, it's really the, the most iconic lighthouse. I think if you look at B-roll for Alaska, Eldred Rock pop, pops up uh, a lot. It's just, uh, it's the most photographed. Also, it's the oldest. It's the only lighthouse that wasn't rebuilt. So it's actually the original structure. You know, with the majestic mountains in the background, it's just such a, an incredible location. And so that's why we feel like, you know, of all of the, the lighthouses, some of them didn't last. Uh, we, need to, we need to come in and assist the Coast Guard. And that's, you know, when you talk about a relationship with the Coast Guard and some, some of these lighthouses are, we were mentioning before, are, the Coast Guard's just not able to dedicate the funds and resources to, to taking care of these historic structures. So we want to work with the Coast Guard. We want to help, help the Coast Guard to get this thing back up to ship shape. You know, and there's many, many Coast Guard retirees in, in Alaska. And again, you know, Captain Ed Page is a Coast Guard retiree, and he's our main supporter. The Marine Exchange of Alaska is our main sponsor. Um, so without them and their support financially and also with their landing craft, um, they bring, bring us to the lighthouse for work with their landing craft. You know, we, we would be dead in the water without them. And so, again, it's, it's Coast Guard retirees are right behind mm -hmm. us. I'm wondering, are you looking for volunteers actively at this point? Uh, we're always looking for volunteers. You know, right now um, we're looking for folks with maybe some more uh, specialty experience. Also volunteers that have, you know, vessels that they're willing to use for transportation. But, you know, once we get it safe for other volunteers, absolutely. And we, you know, I would uh, direct folks to our website, elderdrucklighthouse.org. Um, there's a tab there. It says join and you can click on that. You could become a member, annual member and also fill out a volunteer form, and we definitely encourage that. We'd love to have the support. So people can become a member. Can they also uh, make donations other than membership? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. There's uh there's different membership levels, you know, all the way up from 25 bucks to a thousand. Um, but also, you know, of course there's a donate button on the website and yeah. we love the support. I mean, fundraising as, as everyone knows in historic preservation is the number one challenge. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, every dollar helps. I know that mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Uh, so are, are you also active on social media? Is there a Facebook, uh, yep. Facebook Maybe. page, yeah, Elder Drug Lighthouse. Uh, go on our Facebook page. We're also on Instagram now because there's so many hashtag Elder Drug Lighthouse pictures out there. Yeah. Like I said, it's the most photographed lighthouse in the state. So Facebook and Instagram, uh, as well as our website. And members, we do have a, a newsletter for them as well. Yeah, well, certainly a tremendously photogenic location. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. So I've got to look at your uh, Instagram account. So Sue York, uh, I thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Uh, and I'll have to have you back sometime because uh, I'll be following your progress, obviously. And uh, maybe I'll see you on more Zoom events. Uh, we met uh, in a U- U.S. Lighthouse Society Zoom event just, uh, what, about a week ago. Yeah, that was uh, a great tour, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was an Alas- a retrospective of a U.S. Lighthouse Society Alaska tour. So I'll probably see you at more of those uh, events. But uh, I'll be following your progress. Congratulations on what's been accomplished so far. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful lighthouse. I hope I can see it in person sometime. I have to say I have not visited Alaska yet, but I haven't given up on that idea. So. Yeah, don't give up. Don't give yeah. up. No, not at all. So I really hope to visit your lighthouse in person. So again, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sue York. Thank you. There are 11 active lighthouses in Alaska. Several of them are managed by preservation organizations, and we plan to feature some of them in future episodes of Lighthearted. Also, it was mentioned in my interview with Sue York that the Fresnel lens from Eldred Rock is on display at the Haynes Sheldon Museum in Haynes, Alaska. You can learn more about that museum, and you can see a photo of the Fresnel lens at sheldonmuseum.org. Our thanks to Jeff Gales, Executive Director of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, and to all the staff and volunteers at the Society's headquarters at the Point No Point Light Station in Hansville, Washington. Go to uslhs.org to learn all about all the things the Society has to offer, including domestic and international tours, preservation grants, the Lighthouse Passport Program, the J. Candace Clifford Lighthouse Research Catalog, the quarterly journal The Keeper's Log, the Lighthouse Enthusiast Community, and much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a member of the U.S. Lighthouse Society or making a donation to help support it. Also, if you listen using the Apple Podcasts app, please rate and review us. Getting more ratings and reviews helps us get more attention. And please share information about the podcast with your friends on social media. Thank you to everyone everywhere who works to preserve lighthouses or any kind of history. As William Murtaugh, the longtime keeper of the National Register of Historic Places, once said, quote, At its best, preservation engages the past in a conversation with the present over a mutual concern for the future, unquote.
As always, thanks for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine